0: Welcome to Rad Reading, a bookish podcast where the R stands for Refresh and the D stands for Discover, and where we try to help you do those two things for your reading life. I'm Ronnie Lauren, a bestselling romance author who likes her reading life to be big on variety and full of complicated characters.
1: And I'm Don Alexander, an indie editor who never met a whodunit she didn't want to solve or an intricate plot she didn't want to untangle. We are two very different readers, but two very good friends who love to talk books. Join us as we tackle reading roadblocks, give
0: our best bookish tips, and of course, recommend all the great reads that have kept us turning the pages that week. Let's get started.
1: Welcome back to Rad Reading. I'm Dawn. And I'm Ronnie. And today is April Fool's Day, Dawn. I know. The worst day ever as a former teacher, just FYI. (laughs) Teaching high school on April Fool's Day? No, you just don't. They should declare it a holiday. Right, right. Are you a person who... Based on what you're saying, I'm guessing you don't like being pranked. I do not. Pranks are not my thing. Um, I will say the worst prank I have been the target of is that way, 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 way back when, when uh, Scott wanted to get married and he went to go ask my dad if he could marry me, my dad thought it would be funny to call me and tell me that he told Scott no. Oh, No. <laughs> Not something I suggest you do for any of your future children. It was not funny. I did not speak to either one of them for like two or three days. So pranks yeah. are not my thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I i don't want an emotional prank. I don't want something that's like that would have made me mad because that would elicit emotion from me. My husband's into like doing small kinds of pranks. So like I remember there was, it was years ago, but the song Don't Treat Me Bad by, I think it's by Firehouse from like the 80s. Mm-hmm. So this baby don't treat me bad it was in my head and I could not get it out of my head and it was driving me bananas and I expressed this to my husband right so one day I went in my kitchen and the song is playing and I have no idea where it's playing from and I can't find the source <laughs> the song was on repeat just over and over and over, and over. <laughs> he had taken a laptop because this was probably before cell phone you know that played your music um, he had taken a laptop and hidden it in the back of like the pots and pans cabinet and put the song on repeat <laughs> I had to find it so that kind of thing it ended up being funny it's a funny story I don't mind but don't emotionally manipulate me <laughs> with a prank right so, <laughs> yes silly things I'm fine um, and I'm not good at pulling off pranks so I'm not one to do the prank because I'm not that is not a skill set I have I'm a really really bad liar like I you know, if I ever did a crime and got put on the stand, like everybody would know I did it because I can't I can't keep a straight face. Um, So today we thought it would be fun since it's April Fool's to talk about um, books that trick you. So this could be good or bad because sometimes a book tricks you and you're really like, wow, that was great. And then sometimes it's like, you're real pissed off.
1: <laughs> yeah. You develop a strong opinion mm-hmm. and I think both of them can be very memorable. Mm-hmm. But the whole, I got tricked and I now want to throw the book against the wall. That's not the reaction you're looking for from your readers as an author. Right.
0: Yeah, I think most of your throw throw the book against the wall books, it's because you were surprised in a bad way. You don't throw the book when it's just a generally bad book. It's something they did something and it really ticked you off. Um, So we wanted to talk about good twist and bad twist and kind of what makes one good, what makes one bad. Um, So for me, Um, I don't like when something switches genre, so it's marketed as one thing, or it like has this whole story that you feel like you're reading a suspense story maybe. And then all of a sudden surprise it's paranormal. So I like reading suspense. I like reading paranormal, but I like to know what I'm going into. So don't, you know, give me a whole suspense novel and then surprise it's a vampire, you know, who's killing people like 80% into the book. Um, so that is not my favorite. And we'll talk about some of the books that did these things. Um,
1: well, and I, I want to point out, we are going to try to make it through this without giving away spoilers mm-hmm. with these books that we're talking about having the twist and things. So we're going to try not to spoil them. If you want them spoiled, absolutely hit us up on social media because <laughs> we will totally tell you the endings of some of these. Right.
0: Yeah, we, we we're try on this podcast in general not to spoil you. So we're going to do our best. Um, so in another way, you can be surprised is something on the cover thinks this is this genre and then surprise it's not so for me this happens with it looks like a romance cover and some of the reviews will call it a romance, but then surprise, somebody's dead at the end and it's one of the people in the romance and that is not a romance, you guys. They can't die at the end, happily ever after, okay? Um, so, Nicholas Sparks does yeah. not write no- romance, No I'm saying. So if you see a love story, that usually means somebody dies, but a lot of times they won't put that on the cover. Um, so I don't like when they're trying to bait and switch me with this emotional love story, but yeah, it's actually somebody's gonna die. On the flip side we now have sweet and cartoony covers for a lot of our romance. They are everywhere. Yes. And it's really, really hard to tell is this sweet or is it steamy or is it like, whoa, erotic. Um, And I was surprised by one that I'm going to mention later that definitely has a cartoony cover that I was like, oh, this will be a rom-com. And it was, but it was real explicit too. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm fine with that. That that's, I don't mind that surprise because I'm not shocked by, I mean, I write erotic romance, so it's hard to shock me, but it just wasn't what I expected going in. And I'm betting a lot of readers picked it up thinking, oh, sweet, fun, Hallmark rom-com. No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You gotta be careful with that. Cause those, those cartoon covers are everywhere right now. They're completely all of the trend. And there was one a while back that neither one of us can remember what book it was. But what I do remember is you saying hey go check the look inside feature and I mean like full out wanted to cover my eyes as soon as I read like the first paragraph so yeah they're I don't like being tricked like that
0: yes yes and then one thing that it's sort of I don't know if it'd be called a trick but it's what I put books down for recently um, is when a secondary plot gets more focused than the reason you're reading the book for the genre expectation so most likely this isn't a romance for me is that I'm picking it up. I want a romance. I want to see this love story. um, People falling in love, but then like the book is completely about, you know, 70% of it is about something else. The secondary plot, which if it's 70%, you guys, it's not the secondary plot. (laughs) Right. It's the main plot. (laughs) Um, So like if a romance ends up being mostly about a character taking care of like a sick parent or something, which is a trigger issue for me. So I wouldn't want that in my romance or um, I had one that literally for the first 40% of the book, the hero and heroine were not together. They were solving a mystery, and each chapter was alternating hero POV and heroin POV, but they hadn't met yet, or they had met once or something. And it's like, no, no, <laughs> I was reading this and watched them fall in love. I don't care about the mystery. If I wanted to read right. a mystery, I would get it. And that was not with the cover, like it wasn't a mystery romance. It was just supposed to be. Um,
1: a romance. So yeah, those are the surprises that I do not like. Don, what what are yours? Well, and you see the opposite of that sometimes in thrillers and suspense, and you'll see it show up in the reviews. And people were like, "I was looking for a good thriller, and this was all about these two people falling in love and lots and lots of sex." Mm-hmm. Which I'm not saying. I mean, sometimes I'm like one click. I'm not saying that's not a book I want to read. But if I'm in the mood for a puzzle and a mystery and a thriller, and then it's all boy meets girl and they're falling in love and then they're breaking up and oh, by the way, there was a diamond heist going on in the background. You, those expectations not being met are so frustrating.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then we have to get on podcasts and talk about it or have to text our friends and be like, right. okay, so this book was supposed to be about this and it wasn't and I'm mad. So right. my annoyances are more the little things Because yes, twist endings, okay. But in Thriller and Suspense, you kind of expect the twist endings. You expect something to happen. Now you don't expect, wham, it's randomly a paranormal. No, that's frustrating. And I've said on the um, show before, I want a chance to solve the mystery. Mm -hmm. So don't drop a ninja out of the sky and be like, it wasn't a serial killer. It was this dude. Don't do that. Mine are more the little things like... I do not like trying to be, I do not like the author using manipulation Mm -hmm. to try to maintain interest. Mm -hmm. So if something is a dream sequence, I want some kind of clue, it's a dream. Mm -hmm. And you see this all the time, um, especially in opening scenes, Sometimes of uh, that's how they're trying to get you interested in the situation. Is the character's randomly dreaming about whatever crime happened,
0: or in a lo- in a romance they'll put in a love scene that ends up being a sexy dream because they don't have a love scene early enough in the book. And I don't like yes,
1: that. <laughs> I don't like that either because I am being cheated out of that moment of them being together for the first time. Mm-hmm. So when they are together for the first time, it doesn't have the intensity to it that it would because right. like. I've already seen him kiss her, even though it was in a dream, I already experienced it. So yeah, I definitely have definite opinions about that. And going with that is, don't try to trick me into thinking someone's dead. Because- It <laughs> better be real dead. <laughs> yeah, it better be real dead because, and they do this of, they will have someone vaguely talking to a tombstone. You know, like I stand by the graveside and I say what's in my heart. And then the person that you think is dead walks up next to them or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, Nicholas Sparks. I don't know why he's on my brain today. Um, One of my favorite books from him is The Rescue, which is a really good book. But there is this whole moment in it where you think one of the main characters died and it's Nicholas Sparks, so hey, I mean, everybody's free game for that man. You think one of the main characters died until one of the other characters says, I'm so sorry about, and they say this other character's name, and you find out that it was this other character who died, not the main character. Mm -hmm. And it was like, okay, that was unnecessary. Yeah, You were doing that just for the little like blip of my heart, and Mm -hmm. now my heart's just angry with you. And the playing the whole vague pronoun game, Mm -hmm. you see this a lot in thrillers when they're trying to do the villains POV, right? They'll be very vague about it because they don't want you to know if it's a man or a woman
0: Mm -hmm. or they'll put it in, or they'll put it in first person
1: or they'll put it in first person. Yeah. And sometimes that really works. Sometimes that does work. Sometimes it's just annoying um, especially where I feel like it gets annoying sometimes is if it continues throughout the book. Right. And I already know who it is. Quit being vague. You know, <laughs> um, I will say one example of this working really well is not a thriller or suspense. Janet Ivanovich's Stev- Stephanie Plum series has a love triangle, mm-hmm. and she's trying throughout the series, trying to choose between these two men. If you're familiar with the series, I'm totally team Ranger, just saying. (laughs) But in High Five, which is the fifth book in the series, she makes a decision that she's going to go to bed with one of them. Like she's she's (laughs) made that decision and it shows her like she gets herself all dressed up and I think she puts her names in like a bowl or something. (laughs) Oh God. And so she like draws a name, basically makes a phone call and it is all vague pronoun using he. Mm-hmm. And the last line of the book is he knocked on the door. I open it. He looks at me and says, nice dress, now take it off. And that's how the book ended. Oh no. <laughs> and So it was like, that would work. Mm-hmm. Because that created so much conversation between me and the other people I knew who were reading that series of, okay, so who was at the door? right? Who was at the, <laughs> I need to know who was at the door. So it can work. So sometimes mm-hmm. it's going it's good. And we're going to talk a little bit later about books that we liked the twist. We liked being surprised.
0: yeah. and I think a lot of these that you're listing, it's because somebody did it brilliantly once or twice before. like, the dream sequence or whatever, like the first time somebody did that, it was probably like really innovative and like, wow, cool, that was a great twist. And we're gonna talk about a book that did that and then everybody used that twist and it it, it makes it cliche. So the yes. dream sequence has become cliche because so many people have used it. Um, mm-hmm. Same thing with the talking at the graveside, that's like a horror movie thing. that's yes. <laughs> Talking at the graveside and you don't know who it is.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, when, as 80s kids- we remember the original dream sequence which was the entire like second or third season of Dallas where Pam woke up and Bobby was in the shower and it was all a dream and people latched onto that and just ran with it like it was the Olympic torch yes yes so that's that's the problem with these is it once was a
0: really cool thing but then you know some authors so many authors do it it gets beaten to the ground um so some of our examples, and you know, we hate talking badly about books. So there's not that many, it's not a bad example. It's just examples of, you know, twists that we didn't appreciate.
1: Um, well, and we're not saying these books were poorly written. Some no. of these books are amazingly written. It's just the twist annoyed us. <laughs> right. So my first one,
0: I feel like we've talked about it on a previous episode. We might've spoiled it on a previous episode. I'm not sure, but it's Behind Her Eyes by Sarah Pinborough. Um, my issue with this book, and Dawn read it to you, um, is... You cannot guess the twist. It, I mean, some now somebody out there is going to be like, I totally guessed the twist. Like, I, to- <laughs> I you're just not you. smart <laughs> enough. And no, 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 you really can't guess the twist. Um, in and became a, a show. It became a TV show, and I watched the TV show. And in the TV show, you have a better chance at guessing the twist. They they put a they kind of cue you a little bit. Um, but this it came out of nowhere. It switched genres technically on you, and it was not good for me (laughs) to switch it I didn't like the switch um now that book has sold lots and lots of copies lots and lots of people love it so it's it's just my personal opinion and Don, also I don't think you had the same feeling about the twist it's just not it's not the style of twist that we like
1: so I want you to play fair yes Yes. i want you to play fair and that leads into my example in this book um another author friend of mine and i have an ongoing debate about this book because this is her favorite book ever mm-hmm. and um it's we were liars by e lockhart fabulous writing amazing fabulous writing and i had it, ronnie says i can't spoil it so but if you <laughs> want it spoiled i will definitely spoil it for you i have it, and it is on my shelf yeah <laughs> i'm pretty sure um Oh, then I might have spoiled it in that text to you when I was. That's okay. I'll freak.
0: My memory is so crappy that by the time I read it, I'll be like, oh, surprise.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And it was the same thing for me, only I did guess the twist Mm -hmm. about, I would say, about halfway through, because you know something's not right. Mm -hmm. And I did guess the twist and I was texting other people who'd read the book. And I'm like, okay, if this is what it is, I'm going to be furious. Mm-hmm. And at the time I was still working to high school. And so I went to the high school librarian who was a friend of mine and was like, okay, tell and she's like, I have to go check out other books. <laughs> Why don't you come back when you finish it? And so I felt very cheated on mm-hmm. that one. Mm-hmm. Very, very cheated. But again, excellent writing. And yeah. I know several people who love it. Of course, it has amazing reviews, but I don't felt like they, I don't feel like they played fair. Right, and if you're not as obsessed with that as I am, if you enjoy the ride and don't need to solve the puzzle, then it would probably be a really good twist for you. Yeah.
0: And the the OG one is it. No, this was really well done. So I'm not saying this was a bad twist. This was a great twist. But it was the it's an example of when people take a twist that was great and then they beat it into the ground by writing the same twist. Um, so Gone Girl. Um, by Gillian Flynn was an amazing book. When it came out, it totally tricked me. Um, the plot twist was like, whoa, you know, it was one of those, like, this book is amazing. So the problem is the legacy of Gone Girl has been <laughs> so many unreliable narrator books. So many, so many, so many. So um, me and Don call them urns, yes. unreliable <laughs> narrators. And as soon as we get an indication that a book is an urn, we steer clear of it because we have learned we are not into the urn.
1: No, because there were so many of them that came out just one right after the other. Mm -hmm. And we learned that if it had woman or girl in the title, that's just pretty much what you expected. Mm -hmm. And the twist that came out of that, because nobody could really mimic the Gone Girl twist. Right. That was... Excellent, done very well. Um, Gone Girl has some other issues, and that you just want to like throat punch everybody in that book. Right. None of them are good people, but it's excellent writing. And so it kind of morphed into um, a book that I did enjoy, but still got annoyed with. And that was Girl on the Train. And if you're not familiar with Girl on the Train, it's Paula Hawkins. And it is a girl who takes the same train every day and she sees this couple as she's doing her daily ride. She goes through a residential area and she sees this couple and things start happening. She thinks she saw something. She doesn't know if she saw something. And you never know who to trust. And then a lot of these books started falling back on, I'm an alcoholic or I'm a drug addict or something really, really terrible happened and I never dealt with it. So I have recreated that history in my mind and I'm telling you the history I recreated and then 60% through, it's like, oh, wham, everything I just told you was wrong. Okay,
0: and then like I mentioned earlier, um, cartoony covers with more erotic content than you were expecting. Um, So some are a good surprise. So for me, I've talked about this book in a previous episode. This is The Roommate by Rosie Dannon. This has the cutest hot pink cover, and <laughs> it's got two people sitting on a couch, and it's really like, it's got like a um, kind of neon-y looking um, title, so cute, bright, fun, but the hero of this book is a porn star, <laughs> so you should know by reading the back, you get a hint that, you know, hmm, it's probably not going to, you know, be totally PG, but the, the cover definitely does not give you any indication into how erotic it does get now it does delay the erotic romance part like it's not throughout the whole book but when they actually have the love scenes I'm like whoa there's a lot of you know (laughs) and for me to say whoa you guys (laughs) that means it's whoa because I have a pretty high tolerance um but I loved this book so this is not a negative at all but I bet some people picked that up thinking it was like oh cute like Christina Lauren type book and then you know
1: porn star whoa (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which, which just tells me i need to move that one up on my tbr i have it's, it i it's haven't so read it yet fun. it's so fun and the characters
0: like the porn star hero is so sweet which is like i love that you know he's not like this domineering alpha male t- he's just like this good laid-back guy
1: and like who, so fun who happens to make porn i mean yes. just you yeah. fall into things sometimes right right um, so my example for this is where did you go Bernadette by Maria Semple and did you read this one I've seen the movie I did not read the book okay I didn't see the movie I read the book it has rave reviews and it has this cute cover of you know this woman I think she's got sunglasses on Mm -hmm. and the whole premise of the book is that this girl's mother has disappeared Right. And it's told through emails and some receipts and all this. It's really an original telling of how it goes. And so I was expecting like a mystery. Let's figure out where mom yeah. went. Right. Um, and again, I don't want to spoil it, but when you figure out how where mom went, you're like, oh, really? <laughs> That's okay. Hmm. Yeah. So, I may be in the minor- minority on the bad. And again, it's well-written. There's some really funny moments in it mm-hmm. too. And the style of it was kind of different, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. But as an editor, sometimes, and I'm not saying this is what happened in this book, but I can tell sometimes if the author didn't know what was going to happen until it happened. Mm-hmm. And that's how, how I felt about this is I, I felt like there was no real clues for us to be like, oh, this is where mom ended up.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the movie, I mean, I didn't read the book, but the movie was very quirky. So that's how it kind of came across. It didn't come across as a mystery um, for sure. And my example of a good twisty plot that I could that I could have guessed, you know which is what we're talking about being fair. I could have guessed how this went. And Dawn happened to guess earlier than I did because Dawn has a lot more experience with suspense and she picks up twists way faster than I do. Um, but 56 days by Catherine Ryan Howard, we talked about it in a previous episode. Um, it was really well done to me and I know I could have guessed it, but I didn't until pretty late in the book. And when I finally got there, I was like, oh, that was really like, well done. Um, and well-written. So for that one, that twist worked for me. And it has a little bit of a thing that I normally don't like, which I'm not going to say what it is because I don't want to spoil anything, but it's got a feature that I normally wouldn't like, but that it was well done in this book. So.
1: I liked that one because you did have a fair chance. Mm-hmm. There were just enough clues for you to be like, oh, okay. And the difference, like you talked about how before somebody does this really well, and then everybody latches onto it. And sometimes it's not executed as well. And that's where it gets frustrating. The difference is, even though I did guess the twist, I wanted to see how the twist was going to play out. Right.
0: There's still suspense involved.
1: There's still suspense. Mm-hmm. The tension doesn't immediately go away. Mm-hmm. In some of the books that we've mentioned where we didn't enjoy it that much, it's because as soon as I figured out the twist, I was either too busy rolling my eyes to read the next paragraph or the tension's immediately gone and why do I care,
0: right? The air is out of the balloon. Yes,
1: (laughs) yes. yes.
0: Um, And then another one that I really enjoyed the book, but I bet a lot of people were tricked by the cover of it was The Mother-in-Law by Sally Hepworth. So it's got this cover that kind of gives that domestic thriller vibe, like that, it, you know, the mother-in-law is, you know, dead and you're trying to figure out who it is and blah, blah, blah. So it kind of gives that thriller vibe on the cover in the back cover copy does too. Um, But it's actually more of a domestic mystery um, than what I would call a suspense. You're trying to figure out how it happened, but it's very character driven. It's slower moving than a thriller would be. Um, so if Dawn, if you pick this up, you would be like, what is this? Like, this is not, <laughs> I didn't sign up for all this characterization, you know, in this slow moving plot. Um, I really loved the book, but it's very character driven and it's very much more a mystery and kind of a family story versus suspense, you know, thriller type. So um, I think the marketing on that was a little, it was, it was trying to get suspense readers when it wasn't actually to me, a suspense. Um and then I actually have a nonfiction one, which is weird. <laughs> that is weird. <laughs> yeah. Usually
1: they're pretty pretty—they're pretty set on letting you know what's going to happen.
0: Right? Nonfiction by nature, especially the, this type of book is usually very straightforward, but this is 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman. It's a pretty new book. Um, it presents as a productivity book because 4,000 Weeks is the average lifespan of a person. So it's about, and I think the subtitle is Time Management for Mortals. So... <laughs> It has time management in the title as well. However, when you read it, um, it's actually more of a philosophy book about like anti-hustle culture, like not hustling so much, not being so obsessed with productivity. I loved the book, but that is not what it was presented as. So it's kind of like, oh, you love productivity books? I'm going to tell you why it's stupid to be that, worried about productivity that much. <laughs> like you're going to die anyway. Um <laughs> right there's some sunshine to brighten your day. Right. So I will, I actually want to give a trigger warning for this one because, um, I didn't like recommend it on my blog and stuff, which usually I do for, um, productivity books, since I usually love those. And I really liked this book, but if you are in any kind of depression, if you have any level of that going on, maybe wait on this book because it, it does talk about like, what it, what is the point sometimes of like, what does it matter? We're just this one little person in this big world. And, you know, if you are productive or not, nobody really cares, you know, that kind of thing, which can be a freeing message if you're in a certain
1: state of mind,
0: or it can be of what's the point of living if you're not in that state of mind. So I feel like it goes a little bit so far to that side that if you're in the bad state of mind, it would actually be more depressing um, rather than uplifting. So. If you're in that state maybe put this one on the side but if you want if you're in the hustle and you're like man i really just wish nobody cared if i did you know all of this stuff then it might give you some freedom so anyway that one did trick me for sure
1: that one i think would send me like running straight for a plate of brownies like well if it doesn't matter Right. I might as well just go ahead and chow down on these. <laughs> yeah. See, but like my theme for the year when
0: we pick words and stuff, like, you know, people pick a word of the year. Mine is I have it pinned on my bulletin board. I'm looking at it right now. It says, Have fun. Nobody cares. So for me, that's actually a message that's empowering to me. Like, and I mean that mainly for like my writing, have fun nobody really cares if I write another book. Some people, sure, they'd be happy to have another book from me, but like, they're not going to die if they don't get another book from me. So like, I need to take the pressure off of myself and just have fun with the story. Um, So to me, that's an empowering message. But yeah, if you, if nobody cares, makes you sad. (laughs) Yes, that would, I would not deal well with that. Yeah. Yeah. And then moving on from kind of the twisting things, but why does this mismatch um, happen? So
1: why Don, do we have the expectations versus the reality? I think a big part of it is marketing. Mm-hmm. And I see that with some of my own authors that I work with of you're told a cartoon cover sells. Everybody's doing cartoon covers. Everybody wants to do a cartoon cover. Let's, here's your cartoon cover. And if you're not in a place to battle that, if you are trying to break into the market and you want people to pick up your book and you're like, well, all of these other things have cartoon covers. And then there's a little bit, especially with our romance of, they don't want the naked man chest. I personally am a fan of the naked man chest, but if you're reading your book on your break at work, maybe the naked man chest is not giving the best impression to your, uh, to your coworkers. So I think a lot of it comes from that. Yeah, I agree.
0: And being, you know, in the publishing world, I can tell you that we don't always get a say-so on our covers. Um, I mean, they'll give you cover approval, but like, I'm sorry for the dog barking, you guys. Leonard is Leonard. So (laughs) (laughs) Leonard has opinions that he would like to express
1: about covers.
0: (laughs) I took him on a 45 minute walk before this. I've given him a con with peanut butter and yeah, this is my life right now, you guys. Um, So Yes, like my covers. If you look through the, you know, history of my covers, I had first I had erotic covers that had people and had naked men chest on the cover, you know, and women that were
1: awesome. They were nice. <laughs> I really
0: liked them. And then Fifty Shades happened, and we went to object covers because all the erotics had object covers. Well, mine really don't even have objects. They have like backgrounds, like it's like mm-hmm. textures. Um, and then I had a mass market with the ones who got away, the smaller paperback. So they have people couple covers. And then now I have cartoon covers on my books and mine aren't necessarily rom-com. They have some comedy in it. It is romance, but it's solidly contemporary romance, usually emotionally based. Um, So sometimes people are surprised by A, the level of emotion in my books and B, by the steam in my books. (laughs) Because once again, the covers can almost lean women's fictiony on my books. um, And then I have pretty high steam in my contemporaries. So, But the one that gets me um, is... The good example of how marketing changes and the publishing trends affects things is horror books. So we've talked about, and you know how I like horror. Don likes thrillers. Um, and horror used to be really marketable. So do y'all remember? If you're anywhere near our age, the 80s and the 90s, horror was the thing. Stephen King was the biggest thing out there. I mean, Stephen King's still great, but um, Fear Street and the Point Place books for teenagers, and everything was like horror movies and Scream and all that. So everything was getting labeled as a horror. Um, however, that went out of fashion. So horror now is like a niche genre um, and thrillers are the big seller. So now everything right. gets a thriller label, whether it's a horror or a thriller, it doesn't matter. It's going to give a thriller label. And I went and looked up the differences because I know the differences. It's like, you know, it when you see it, like we, if you read a genre, you know, it when you see it. So I right. know horror versus thriller just by seeing it, but good descriptions of it. Horror is meant to horrify you. Thriller is meant to thrill you. So that's an easy way to remember it. Um, But I did get a good quote from industrial scripts that says, in a thriller, predictability is a big no-no. So the uncertainty is what builds suspense and tension. In horror, predictability is somewhat necessary. So in horror, the climax is the confrontation. Um, Are you going to escape the big evil? Are you going to die or are you going to beat it? And then in a thriller, the climax is usually like, who is the big evil and what are they going to do? Um, which is where, if you listen to me and Don talk about books, is often where we differ. Like Don is looking for, I want to figure out the puzzle. Right. And I'm not as big of a puzzle person. That's why horror works for me. Is like, we know who the bad thing is or the bad right, person is. There's something
1: is. chasing me with an ax. I've already but got you, that part You need to out. get
0: away. <laughs> you need to run, girl. You know, so- I wanna know if they're gonna escape. Dawn wants to know who is doing it. Um, and that's not a completely total definition because there is a lot of blending, but I do see, like I just read um, Fantastic Land by Mike Backevin and this book literally on the cover says a thriller. This is a horror book y'all, <laughs> this is horror. Um, The The background of it is a hurricane hits like a Disney world type resort. And all the employees, like they had this whole group of employees that stayed to keep things, you know, in check while they, were, they had all these systems in place that they could be safe. They had underground tunnels and la 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 la. They have enough food for a month. Um, but so they get stranded there and they have enough food and they have enough water. They have shelter, but they're like all the um, things around it, like nobody can get to them and nobody's really trying because they know that they had all the supplies there so even though they can't get in touch with them, they're like, oh, the people over at fantastic land are fine. We need to go to help these people who are sitting on top of their houses and stranded. Mm-hmm. So they're stuck there for a month and it's mostly like teens and 20 year olds. And then there's some older people too, but they divide into tribes really fast, by the way, that was, li- <laughs> that was a little bit of a, I had to like, they had to, they didn't sell me on that one. Totally. Like, wait a second it's day two. We're already in tribes, <laughs> you know, like. The Hercules as you were, do, I right. mean, but it turns into kind of like a Lord of the Flies thing. But it's like you have like the pirate tribe that was in the Pirate Cove area, you know, like, of the, course, yeah, like the theme park elements were really good. Cool. They have like the fairy group that was in like the fairyland kid area, so fun with that. But you kind of know that things are gonna be bad early on, like, this isn't going to turn out well, and you know who the bad tribes or tribes are. Um, but the rest of it is mostly just there to horrify you. Like, what will people do to each other? You know, when they're put in these kinds of circumstances, um, and it's really gory, which is also another usually trigger for horror. Like, Hey, this is horror. If they're like, you know, there's lots of nailing people's hands to things or cutting people's heads off or think, you know, you're probably in horror. Um, (sighs) Dawn's like not reading this book, (laughs) not approved. No, right. But they're labeling it as a thriller. So if it's trying to market to Dawn as a thriller, then they have not marketed it to the right person. Um, But I would want it. Like,
1: that's what I want. So market it to me. And I don't understand that about Ronnie. I love her anyway, (laughs) but I don't understand her. And as a thriller reader, violence is okay, which is a weird thing for me to say publicly. But violence is okay because I understand it.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: I know that, okay, if I have serial killer dudes, serial killer dudes doing some sketchy stuff, it's probably going to get violent on the page. Mm -hmm. But there's a difference between violence and gore. And that's the whole, you know it when you see it Mm -hmm. thing. And there is definitely a different visceral reaction to being thrilled and being horrified. Right. Yes. And I think
0: really well done horror has reasons for why the thing is happening well i say that but then like the strangers you don't know why the strangers are doing what they're doing and it's freaking terrifying and that really works um i haven't seen that when that one was on the no dawn list right oh it's so good it's so good but it's terrifying dawn you cannot watch it dawn is not allowed dawn will be living at my house she'll be like i ain't i'm not living without any people around me ever um But one that blended it, I think, I feel like it leans more to horror, but it has thriller elements. So I think it has an entry point for thriller readers. And Dawn did actually read this one. Um, So this is No Exit by Taylor Adams. I also just watched the movie. So if you have read the book, the movie does a pretty good job. But the setup is a woman gets stranded at a rest stop in a snowstorm. And there are like a handful of people there. So she goes outside um, at some point to try to like get a phone signal. And as she's outside, she's standing next to a van and she sees in the window, a little girl tied up and you know tape over the mouth, the whole thing. You realize that one of those like five or six people in the rest stop has kidnapped a child and left right. them out in this van. Um, so there's a thriller suspense element up front of who is it? Who did this? And she's got to go in and kind of pretend like nothing happened, like she didn't see anything and they're just hanging out, you know. and she's trying to get a read on people. So that's where the suspense is. But you find out pretty early, like who the bad people or person is. Um, and now it turns into a horror of how is she going to survive or escape this? How is she going to survive that evil? And um, this one was solidly marked, marked as a thriller. Like it never listed yes. as a horror. But
1: when I read it, I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it, it had definite, this one was okay for me. Mm -hmm. Because it did have the element of suspense opening. And and we've talked about this one, I think, on the show before. It had that element of suspense. It had, I wanted to solve the puzzle. And it played fair on solving the puzzle. And then after the puzzle was solved was when you got to that moment of, okay, how she's got to escape. And then some really bad things happened that I still have nightmares about, but it that's the, the horror story. part. <laughs> yeah, that's the horror part. That's the part that I was like, yeah, okay, let's flip a couple of pages and get past this. So again, it's it's the violence for the sake of violence, or the violence for the sake of solving the the problem. Yeah, and I
0: I do have a line like I don't like like the saw movies and stuff that is just torture porn. Like that is not my kind of horror. Um, some people like it it's no judgment but that that to me is just like that's violence for the sake of violence um, but in a super gory way I don't I don't like that I don't like what's called body horror so like things like getting into your body or under your skin I'm dope. like I'm tapping <laughs> out on the body horror. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's so. why Ice Planet Barbarians did not work for Ronnie Is it wasn't there's no body horror in it but there is that parasite she still hasn't no, forgiven me for still I'm still not over it <laughs> so that's why that one didn't work for her
0: yeah so mainly what we're saying is marketing sometimes will trick you and we don't always know um what we're getting into if the marketing is giving it to us in a certain package and then you open it and surprise
1: yes and and sometimes that's a good surprise and we have Mm -hmm. some examples
0: yes of some good surprises Dawn has a good list for us. I've read these two, so we can both, you know, talk a little bit about them. But um, since I don't read as much in this, you know, suspense, tricky genre, um, Dawn has her top picks for books that had great twists.
1: So ones that I really liked, and some of these we've mentioned before, but The Last Time I Lied by Riley Sager, it's a real good suspense thriller. You've got to work out what happened it's just a quick summary it involves girls going to a summer camp and one night four of them sneak out i don't remember but when when you're asking me with them you're asking me with the memory who i had to look up to see if i would read i'm like i think i read this one (laughs) i did not have my summary ready anyway some of the girls sneak out of the cabin and are killed and the story is being told through the point of view of the one girl who did not go with them And it's told kind of in a dual timeline of why she is back at this camp, why, what she remembers from that time. And it borderlines on an unreliable narrator, but it's not like there's a couple of moments in it where you think it's going to turn into an unreliable narrator and it doesn't. But I will tell you the last chapter, I finished this book at two in the morning and couldn't text anybody because it was two in the morning, but I was like, (gasps) so that one was a good one really like that one and then the other one that uh, we both really enjoyed that i'm pretty sure she remembers reading this one is in my dreams i hold a knife and that is by ashley winstead oh good (laughs) it was a very there's twist to it and every time i thought i had it figured out i didn't and -hmm. that's okay because all of those clues were in there
0: yeah no I love that book and it's a campus novel on top of it and y'all know I have a soft spot for campus novels so no that one was great
1: and twisty I loved it and then this one this one borderlined on horror for me mm-hmm. this was one Ronnie recommended this one. Oh, it's a uh, 10 by Gretchen McNeil and every time I re- recommend one to her it's like it's the borderline horror <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Just, uh, okay. Um, this one is really, I've talked about this one on the podcast before and it has this really terrifying book trailer. If you look it up on YouTube, there's this terrifying book trailer that I would have never read this book if I had seen that book trailer first, but my friend looked at me with this smile on her face and was like, here, read this. She'll enjoy it. In, for the record, this was a
0: long time ago. This was yes. when me and Dawn were like newish friends. So I was still <laughs> learning her book tapes. <laughs> right. So just for the record, I didn't know she was as big of a
1: scary cat by that then. <laughs> but it is very good. It is why borderline YA, it's upper YA, I would say. And it is based on the Agatha Christie book. And then there were none. And so if you're familiar with that and you already know the twist, it's it got a very similar twist in it but it's another one that it plays fair. There, there was just some, some moments that I would rather not think about that I just kind of flip through those pages really quick.
0: All right. And so that is our books that tricked us, but we also have bonus recs each week. We have our rad reading Rex of the week. So these are books that we pick um, if you're just joining us, you know, an episode. I think this is our 20th. I think we're at our 20th anniversary episode. Um <laughs> That if you're just joining us, these are like our best of the best picks. We love these books. We want to you know put them in your hands and get you reading. Um, so, Dawn, what
1: is your rad wreck this week? My rad wreck this week is one that will not trick you. It is it is a romantic suspense, but it's pretty straightforward, and that is Nomad by S. M. West. And this is the third book in her Scarred Heart series, but it can definitely be read as a standalone. Mm -hmm. The only connection to it is that characters from the previous two books make cameos. Right. But you could absolutely pick this up, start reading it. You're not going to feel like you're missing out on anything. And it is a romantic suspense. It's very sexy. It's a second chance, opposite attracts type romance because you have Logan and Logan is a self-proclaimed wanderer that and he has reasons for why he doesn't stay in one place for too long and he falls for willow who is a nurse and she wants a family and she's got roots in this community and they have their moment and then he just disappears he just completely ghosts her and now he has come back because he needs something because he's in a lot of danger and he tries to like Sneak in, get what he needs, and sneak out. And she finds him. So they accidentally reconnect and she gets pulled into the problem. All
0: right. And my rad rec this week is um, it does actually have a little bit of a twist. Most people will guess it probably, but I was like, la, la, la. I don't, you know, <laughs> I don't have it. Um, but it's One Italian Summer by Rebecca Searle, S E R L E. And I'm recommending this one specifically on audio. So Lauren Graham from Gilmore Girls is the narrator. So if you have watched Gilmore Girls or watched Lauren Graham in anything, um, her voice is so comforting to listen to. And I could like literally picture her in this role. Um, She, you know, she voice acts it. So you can hear like a lot of emotion in her voice and it was just amazing narration. And it wasn't that long of an audiobook, So I think it's only like six hours, but this book is um, about a woman who she loses her mom and she had a very, very intense- like close relationship with her mom so I would even call it enmeshed like she's she was kind of like too attached almost to her mom um and she's just devastated and so she's married she doesn't know if she still wants to be married she tells her husband me and mom we're supposed to go on this trip to Positano um Italy and I'm gonna go alone and I need to do this and so she flies to Italy um and all of her grief and she's there for I think a day or two and then she runs into this woman who is her mom at 30. So, you know, that there's some sort of magic going on of like time travel or some, you know, alternate timeline or something. You don't know what, I didn't worry about figuring that out, you know, so that you do find out what, what it is, but it's to me, I'm just like, okay, magic. I'm here. Like I, I, I'm here for this, this situation because you know, I like the setup of that, but beautiful descriptions of Italy you're going to be hungry throughout the whole book. Cause she describes like every meal. So if you're, if you're one of those people that gets annoyed by the descriptions of food, then maybe not for you. Um, Cause there is a lot of food description, but this was such a great book and you know, it's about grief. So um, you can imagine that it's going to have some sad parts. I texted Dawn the other morning. I was like, it's eight o'clock in the morning. I'm on my couch and I'm crying because <laughs> <laughs> I finished this book, but I don't always like a sad book. I'm very careful about the sad books that I get, but I knew the setup of this book was she had already lost her mom. So I knew the tragedy had already happened. So I knew that if I was going to get sad, it was going to be about something I already knew had happened. I wasn't going to be blindsided by sadness. So that's a difference for me. And this one doesn't blindside you with the sadness. Like it's her getting through her grief and, you know, she gets to be with her mom again in this magic situation. Um, and, you you know, you know, that it's not going to last, right? Like we all know that that's not going to be sustainable. So be prepared a little bit of tissues um, for this one. But I have a feeling this is a really big book and you might be seeing it everywhere. I mean, it's got a huge marketing campaign behind it probably because it's on everything. But um, I feel like this is going to divide people because the character is very flawed. So she's probably too close to her mom and, you know, not as close to her husband as, you know, you would think would be healthy. Um, But she's grieving and people do crazy things when they're grieving. And she does some things in Italy that maybe we don't agree with as a general, you know, person. um, But I felt like it was realistic that when you were that grief stricken, you were not yourself, you were in a pit, and you're trying to figure out how to feel again, how to find a reason to live, you know, in this new world without this person, and all of that. So I, I kind of, I'm very forgiving of characters who are in grief because of that. Like people are going to act different. And if you've ever mm-hmm. been through any kind of grief in your life, especially if it's somebody close to you, which Dawn and I have both lost people close to us, like it's it changes you. So and you know, it can be really, really difficult to kind of find your way um going through that. So I think this did a really good job of that. It also feels like a travel novel if you haven't been able to travel, you know, in the last two years. You do feel like you're on the coast of Italy and like it, it really builds the scenery really well, um, so I really liked it. Um, and go get the narration. <laughs> so I don't know if it, I don't know if I would have loved it as much if I had read it in print. Like the narration added so much to it. So this is one Italian summer by Rebecca Cyril. um and I did have a quote from it that I liked because she was so mesh with her mom. It says, "When you're just a reflection, what happens when the image vanishes?" So if you oh. yeah, so if you base yourself totally on somebody else when they're gone, who are you? And that's kind of what the theme of the book is, like her finding herself. So that is it for this episode. I do want to mention um, in a couple of days, I have a story coming out in an anthology called Nightingale. Um, it is a charity anthology, and it's specifically to help um, for Ukraine. So 100% of the royalties are going to aid the Ukraine. My story is called Movie Night. It is a three-chapter menage erotic romance story. It's very lighthearted. I wrote it, you know, in a week and it was really fun. Um, So if you would like to spend money on a good cause and also get, I think it's 50 authors, you guys. Sky Warren put this together. It's fantastic authors in this. So you're going to get all kinds of content um, the book is 7 dollars on Kindle and ebook, wherever you get ebooks. So it's called Nightingale. If you want to get that, I think it comes out April 5th. I hope I'm getting the date right. Um, but you can pre-order it now and pre-order is great. So that's yes. my little um, commercial today. So,
1: well, and I've read this story from Ronnie. The story from Ronnie is a lot of fun and reading through just the names of the other people who are in the anthology. I am so excited for this. Yes.
0: Yes. So, Um, that's it for us today I've given Leonard a treat so that we could have a little bit of quiet here at the end (laughs) but thanks for putting up with us um, with our sounds we have birds and dogs and children and all kinds of things but we it's just life
1: (laughs) it's just life so be sure to hit us up on social media we are on Facebook rad reading podcast and on Instagram rad reading podcast and then Ronnie is on social media as at Ronnie Loren, and I am on social media as Don Alexander books. Mm -hmm. And we will totally talk spoilers and surprises and pranks, whatever you want. Yes.
0: And I will mention when you look at show notes on your podcast app, you're just going to see a link um, to the show notes because of the way our podcast works. You can't put in all the content. We have too long a show notes, but if you want all the links to these books and you don't want to have to go back and think, which book did they say? What was that one about the this? I put a full list every every episode. We have a full list of every book we've mentioned with links to it. Um, anything else we mentioned, movies and stuff, it's all listed there. You can go to the website, which is on my website. So it's ronnyloran.com slash rad reading podcast. And it's got every episode and every book we've ever mentioned. We also have the big rad reading list there. So if you like our rad reading recs, we have every single one up there um, with the covers and you can scroll through them really easily. So don't forget that that resource is there just one click away. But until next time, we hope that every book you pick up is rad reading. Thanks you guys. Bye.